the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Third and final hour here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710-KNUS. Good to be with you, as always, on the program. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. If you want to join in to the festivities, we'll open the phones back up here in just a bit. You can also text into the show on the 710KNUS app on your smartphone if you feel so inclined. And, of course, the social media on Facebook, Jimmy Sangenberger, media personality at Sang Center on Twitter. High of 29 degrees in the Denver metro area and looks like Sunday through Tuesday we are in for another snowstorm in Snowmageddon. The prediction of the meteorologists who were always right, although recently they have been a little bit more right it seems in terms of the snow when they predict that it's going to be a good amount. We've been getting a good amount. But the prediction is 8 to 12 inches of snow will be pouring down on us in the Denver metro area between Sunday and Tuesday. I know we need the moisture. I know it's a good thing. We need the water, especially now more than ever. But, you know, I would like a a little bit of a respite, a little bit of a respite from the snowy, cold weather. There are so many different issues that are going on in the world right now, though, meanwhile. We were just talking in the last hour about Alec Baldwin and that whole situation. But what about the Biden documents and what we are seeing there with these classified documents? And, uh, you know, the, the issue of responsibility and government and the role of government and so forth. And who has responsibility for moral agency for their actions, which, quite frankly, is a similar question in the Alec Baldwin situation. Also, I've got a column out in the Denver Gazette. Denver's Fair Elections Fund gives false hope. There's this fund now to help provide taxpayer dollars for campaigns in Denver. What in the world is going on there And is it a boondoggle that is problematic? Let's dive into these stories and more with the hosts of a brand new podcast for which I was asked to put together this little ditty as a theme song. It's a podcast called Cowgirls and Indians. The cowgirl, Christina Cook, and the Indian, Keith Nobles, they are both now, formerly in Colorado, they are both now in Wyoming, each of them, and they are co-hosts of this new podcast, and they join me now. Chris Cook, Keith Nobles, it's good to talk with you both. Welcome to the show. Good to talk to you, too, Jimmy. Good morning, Jimmy. 
Good to have you both. Thanks for coming on. So I hope you like you, you, you asked me to if I could do a little theme song. Of course, we're both long, I'm longtime friends with both of you. Like, absolutely, I will. I hope that was satisfactory for you, Chris Cook. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I heard that. I said, that rocks. That is awesome. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I was, was very happy to do it. You know, I want to get into a couple of these news stories, but uh, first I want to throw it at either of you to answer. Um, and I know that's tough to do on radio when you got two guests at the same time, but whoever jumps in first, what in the world is Cowgirls and Indians about? Keith, you want to take that one? Oh, sure. <clears throat> I think... Uh... Many people understand, but the world is changing, and it's not necessarily changing in a good way. And uh, there are a lot of very unhappy people out in the world right now. So we, we talk about what those changes are, philosophically, ideologically, politically, practically. Uh, these things didn't just happen by accident. There, There's philosophies, methods behind the changes we see. And a lot of people are unaware of those philosophies and methods and ideologies and what they actually are. And a lot of people, sadly, are, are unfamiliar with what the options may be, such as uh, the option we promote, which is liberty. So right. we, we delve into that, what that is and why that is, so people can, can kind of build a, a structure and a framework to understand what, what they see, because so much of it seems absolutely nonsensical where there's actually a a philosophical basis behind what appears to be pure nonsense and absurdity. Why is that even important, Chris Cook? Why in this day and age should we understand the philosophical basis for what's going on? Well, honestly, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm scratching my own itch on this. I, I'm the one who approached Keith and said, I, I've got to get some, I got to get my arms around what's going on in the world because I don't understand it. And I knew that he had, he had a much better grounding in, in that framework and that foundation. You know, I'm a big believer that, you know, all of our, our intellectual um, pursuits that we see, you know, and I use intellectual broadly in that sense, but, you know, anything that, any actions that are taken right now are the result of, you know, centuries upon centuries upon centuries of culture that's been built up and philosophies and, and stuff that has been absorbed. And if you don't understand that history, I think all of us can agree that if you don't understand the history, you're doomed to repeat it, right? But you also don't understand what's going on now if you if you don't have some sort of grounding and and where all of this came from. So when I when I approached Keith with this, I was like, I feel like I'm playing whack-a-mole with with the the Democrats, with the with the left, you know, not so much Democrats per se, but that with the, the progressive left, they come up with something new every day. <laughs> and it just doesn't make any sense. Make it make sense. And so that's that's kind of what this podcast is about, is is making it make sense and then making making sense out of what the responses are and mm. you know how to how to answer, you know, their tactics and their their philosophy, their sure. nihilistic view. Well, so I know that Keith Nobles is a citizen of the Cherokee Nation, so he is an Indian. Chris Cook, after moving to Wyoming, have you suddenly become a cowgirl? Well. <laughs> you came from Denver. Right. You lived in the city. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. No, I moved out to the Wyoming Prairie. Uh, I don't live in the city anymore. I have 37 acres out on the, out on the prairie. Uh, I don't have cows yet but I'm working on it. So I have a barn and a silo. You're so starting. Okay. I've, I've, I've got the beginning. I've got the starters kit. 
I just don't have the couch yet. <laughs> there, there you go. Well, well, best of luck in, in that venture. You know, Keith Nobles, one thing philosophical, that, and you and I have talked about this. In fact, uh, you're suggestion about moral agency this concept of moral agency versus political agency was inspiration for a little bit of what i included in a, in a column that i wrote for the denver gazette last month uh, compassion is no substitute for wise policy i think it's interesting we don't normally hear discussions in this day and age about philosophical underpinnings to things but a lot of what we're seeing in government today seems to be emphasizing political agency instead of moral agency. What does that mean? What do those terms mean? And what are you seeing bear out right now in the political world that shows that emphasis? Well, philosophically, ideologically, progressivism comes from a family of ideas uh, that that generally are called nihilism. And part of, of the progressive, among other ideologies have stemmed from this. Part of progressivism is the idea that moral agency just doesn't matter. That if you make morally sound decisions for your own life, it it won't matter. That the only thing that matters is you make politically sound decisions. So a lot of people confuse that with following some moral code. And that's, that's not what we're talking about with moral agency. Moral agency is much simpler than that. Moral agency is saying, I have a better chance to thrive and the people around me have a better chance to thrive if I graduate high school than if I don't graduate high school. That, that's a moral decision using moral agency. I have a better chance to thrive if I don't take heroin than if I do take heroin. Those are, are examples of moral agency. But progressivism wants to substitute moral agency or political agency. And <clears throat> that's where you get the idea of politically correct. That's where you get the idea that everything is political. Uh, because they really do view everything to be political. They want uh, they want you not to decide using your moral agency. They want you to make decisions using your political agency, and they have their own self-appointed experts to decide what that political agency should be, and you should forsake your own moral conscience for for what the experts say should be done. So it's interesting to talk about this notion of moral agency and political agency. I want to play a little bit of the president of the United States, Joe Biden, who, of course, is under siege even by the mainstream media. I mean, CNN's been doing exposés you never would have expected on Hunter Biden and and what we're seeing with the abuse, uh, misuse of classified documents. Uh, Here's a little taste being pressed by the media. He got a little snappy. You know, the only I, I will answer the question, but here's the deal. You know, what quite frankly bugs me is that we have a serious problem here we're talking about. We're talking about what's going on, and the American people don't quite understand why you don't ask me questions about that. But so, having said that, what's your question? First of all, he's basically saying what you're about to ask is irrelevant. It's not important. We shouldn't be talking about it. And then he goes on to say this. Do you have regrets? Okay. Look, as we found, uh, we found a handful of documents were failed, uh, were filed in the wrong place. We immediately turned them over to the archives of the Justice Department. We're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the 
Lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. Keith Nobles. No regrets. I'm doing exactly what the lawyers have told me to do. What do you make of that, and how does that fit in, in your view, with this question of moral agency versus political agency? I think this is a pretty exquisite example of moral agency and political agency. So if you and I had classified documents in our garage, no-brainer, we would go to prison. So should the law apply to everyone equally? Okay, well, there's a certain argument, a valid debate can be had that it should apply differently to presidents. But even then, shouldn't it apply equally to all presidents? Right? I mean, Trump just had the, the same issue just just a few months ago with an FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago. So Bill Clinton, some years ago, the National Archives demanded he turn over classified documents, and he refused. So let's say it's probably safe to say Bill Clinton, Obama, Bush, Trump, and Biden all have classified documents. They took with them. So is this going to be against the law or not? And if it is going to be against the law, are we going to apply that law according to what we find politically expedient, i.e. people don't like Donald Trump, so they're going to call for him to be imprisoned or some people would call for him to be executed? Are we going to treat all these people the same? Are we going to treat this according to what we find politically expedient rather than having some objective moral standard for what we think is right and wrong? Hmm. Uh, Chris Cook, what do you make of this? I mean, there is a, a very important point about that Keith is making in regards to whether or not you're responsible in that sort of moral consistency. But we are talking about politics, aren't we? Well, we are. But, you know, let's let's think about like the founding of our country, you know, just just as a start. All men are created equal. It's, you know, beautiful, exquisite statement in our in our moral declaration you know i mean that's this is why the u.s exists because all men are created equal except that that's not the case anymore equal application of the law is a fundamental american precept and it ought to be so so that's the moral agency they have ejected that rejected that in order to pursue this this political end you know this political you know and and we all know at this point that this is how this is how the world works right in in the US you say things against the against the the masters and you're going to get punished and that's exactly what Trump is paying the price for at this point in time it's it's a repudiation of everything i believe that is good and right about america and the founding of america in in just one little example and this example is repeated over and over and over and over again in their corruption, in their pursuit, in their lack of transparency, in Binder Girl having an absolute inability to even answer without an arrogant smirk the most simple of questions from Peter Ducey. You know, it's that kind of thing that it just it's a thread that is common through every single action that they take and every single story that breaks. And this is it's it's it is as Keith said it's an exquisite example of their inability to to really view the world in anything except mm. a political, you know, from a political kaleidoscope that they so, see the world in. So let me ask you this question then. Again, we're talking with the hosts of the brand new podcast, Cowgirls and Indians. Check it out on all the podcast platforms, Keith Nobles and Christina Cook. 
Uh, Chris, what about Republicans, though? I mean, aren't Republicans in many respects these days also guilty of looking at things through a partisan lens, maybe in different contexts or different situations? But don't we see that right now in this very partisan moment? Or are you noticing a, a real distinct difference between left and right on this? You there, Chris? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Now I can. Are, are you okay, noticing sorry. a difference between the left and the right on this? Because one would say the right is guilty of something similar to what you're saying as far as consistently playing partisan politics as well. I, I think there's two sides to this. I think that for, for one, uh, a lot of Republicans have bought into the lie that everything is political. And so they're pursuing it you know, from, from, that, from that angle um, to some degree that self-preservation I think um, when everything is political because they've established the rules of the game, you have to play that game. And so I think that's that's part of what we're looking at. But some of it is it has been internalized that everything is political. I'm probably guilty of that myself until it's you know being pointed out to me that by by Keith that you know maybe not everything is political. Mm. <laughs> you know, maybe not everything needs to be viewed through this lens. So yeah, I think that I think it's the problem on you know across the across the spectrum. It's a problem in American culture right now because of the way that the progressive left has set up the game. Uh, Keith, what are your thoughts on that? Because that's interesting in terms of the the dynamic that Chris Cook is putting out there that, you know, the the left has sort of set up the terms of the game and the right is responding in kind. And then here's a question from a listener that I found interesting and right up your alley, Keith. How about political agency as opposed to the reality? Well, <clears throat> no, exactly. <laughs> part of uh, part of this, the nihilism of progressivism is the denial of objective reality, objective truth, and objective evidence that their ideas suck. Um, I, I mean, that, that's a great point. And this is, this is why, in my opinion, we, we are doing so poorly. We should be able to easily debunk these ideas of progressivism, but we can't debunk these ideas if we are going to embrace them. If we're going to make everything political, we're, we're just playing on their field. The field they cannot play on is the field of moral agency. And there's any number of issues that they wish to make government policy that the majority of Americans should be asking the very logical question, why is this a political issue at all? It, it is not. Uh, just but, Yeah, go ahead. In, in, no, I was just going to say endless examples of that from, you know, climate change would be a great example. Why is that a political issue? The only government has is giving money to rich people. So, yeah, I, I, that, that's an interesting point, that if the solution is really to provide all these subsidies to the rich, uh, how is that really an appropriate political issue? Uh, it's, certainly, although they might say on the left, Keith, that, well, we we have to address climate change. It's an urgent need. And so the first thing to do is to get the rich people who can afford the expensive technologies to start adopting it. So eventually we can then provide those technologies to everybody else. Well, and government is pick, picking and choosing which technologies will win and which will lose. Yes. I mean, there's your real problem. It's all... I mean, we should, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, I don't have the scientific background to debate climate change, but I certainly have the background to ask people, connect the dots for me. How is providing subsidies to wealthy people going to fix climate? Right. Connect those dots. You can't. And, and the bottom line to that, Jimmy, it's not a political issue. 
it's an issue of moral agency. Hmm. It, yet, by the left, it must be a political issue. Uh, Chris Cook, feel free to, to piggyback off of that, but I want to ask a question specifically about the podcast, Cowgirls and Indians. Where can people go to listen, and what can they expect? Well, like you said, uh, any any of the places where you find your podcast, Apple Podcasts, uh, Overcast is, is my personal favorite. Um, you know, Google, uh, all, all the, I can't even name what all, the, what, all, what all of them are. So any place that you can find a podcast, you can find Cowgirls and Indian. Um, what you can expect is a very in-depth discussion um, about how the progressive left is pursuing these tactics. So uh, for the episode that, that just dropped last Sunday, for example, and our, our episodes drop every Sunday, um, the episode that dropped last Sunday, Keith and I discussed the, the new man. And this was, to me, this was a fascinating discussion because <clears throat> this sets up, this sets the stage really for, for everything that we're going to be talking about after that. But it sets the stage for everything that the progressive left does is this pursuit of this utopian ideal. And I'm using air quotes around that. But the, the problem with the utopian ideal is that only a certain kind of person can create that utopian ideal and any deviation from that certain kind of person is to be punished. And so, you know, that's their new man is the one who is going to do all of this stuff that's on the, the progressive agenda without question, without complaining, with you know, with absolute enthusiasm. And anybody who questions it is absolutely verboten. So that's that's what we talked about in episode two. But that kind of discussion is what you know, we're pursuing, you know, throughout this, uh, throughout this podcast, to me, it's just providing that groundwork. And like I say, I'm scratching my own itch in a lot of ways with this, because I do not have that background. I don't have that. Groundwork. Sure. So I'm being taught here. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who listens can come along for the ride. Yeah, no, fascinating. Uh, Keith is, is always a wealth of information on a, a wide range of topics. One of the great Reasons that I have him on frequently and a guest as a guest on a variety of issues. By the way, well done for using vocabulary of the word of the day, verboten. That is, <laughs> I don't know that that word's ever been said on the radio, at least in this century, Chris Cook, but there you go. It, it's a good one. All right. Well, I will just say, uh, Keith Nobles, I really hope that at some point, you will give us an answer on cowgirls and Indians to the question, have we reached peak absurdity? As your saying goes, then the answer is yes, we finally reached peak absurdity. But I don't know that we will ever get there in this crazy, crazy world. The podcast is Cowgirls and Indians. It is out every Sunday on your chosen podcast platform. The hosts, Chris Cook, the cowgirl to be and <laughs> keith nobles the indian my friends always great to talk with you best of luck with the program thank you Jimmy. thank you so much once again keith nobles and chris cook joining us here on the jimmy Sangenberger show we will take a quick break what are your thoughts on this question text coming in it's a political issue that is climate change to increase political power Mm, very interesting. Uh, that's from the same listener who asked the potent question, how about political agency as opposed to the reality? Thoughts on this? Biden classified documents, Alec Baldwin, and whether or not he's going to be charged, whatever else, 303-696-1971. Plus, I'll give you a quick primer and pose the question, is this public campaign funding scheme, Denver's Fair Election Fund, is it 
viable? Is it acceptable? Is it good? Or is it a boondoggle that is siphoning off money from taxpayers? Keep it right here. The Jimmy Sangenberger Show News Talk, 710KNUS. Rocking and rolling back. Little Albert Cummings. 25 minutes before 9 o'clock. This guy's a badass on the guitar. Puts on a great, great show. Got to see him last summer. I've seen him a couple of times. I've interviewed him a couple of times, including on this program. Great guitarist. Good to be with you. News Talk 710 KNUS. My thanks again to the Cowgirl and the Indian of the Cowgirls and Indians podcast, Chris Cook and Keith Nobles, for joining me here on the program. By way of a little background, Chris Cook used to host radio in town and is the former chairwoman of the Denver Republican Party. And... Keith Nobles was a longtime contractor to the military intelligence community and has been in business in the tech space and just understands a variety, a wealth of different issues. Always love having conversations with either Chris or Keith and even more fun having them both together on the program. Our telephone number, if you want to join in before we wrap things up today, 303-696-1971, our telephone number. So there is this law that was passed by Denver voters back in 2021 called Denver's Fair Elections Fund. And what it does is it gives candidates that want to participate in municipal elections that... uh, want to participate in this program, they agree to accept donations that are from individuals and small donor committees, and that's it. No corporate contributions and high dollar amounts because it also includes lower contribution limits. And in exchange for that, the city will match each qualifying donation up to $50, the idea of engaging small money donors, at a 9 to 1 ratio. That's pretty staggering. But what that means is taxpayers will pick up the tab for nine times the amount raised for any $50 donation or donation up to $50. Multiply it by nine and you have nearly $500 in taxpayer funds going to the candidate's campaign. I think I said 350 It was actually 450 when you do the math. And then you add the additional 50 they originally got. And so you could get up to $500 when you include a match from the Fair Elections Fund. Now, this was supposed to give upstart candidates a shot. There's this candidate, upstart guy, Aurelio Martinez, who back in November was at a mayoral forum where he said this is a chance for someone with, quote, good intentions, good ideas to compete. And he noted, one of the sole reasons I decided to run for mayor is because the Fair Elections Fund does level the playing field. The idea being, in theory, that newcomer candidates will get more donations and be better off and have a better shot at becoming, say, mayor of Denver than they would have without it. Well, unfortunately for a guy like Martinez, according to campaign finance records, he's only raised about $6,000 and he hasn't gotten any money yet from the Fair Elections Fund. There's another candidate, Lisa Calderon, far-left activist, who originally called this fund a game-changer. But now she's bemoaning not being invited to mayoral forums, and you want to bet that has something to do with the amount of money that she's raised from fun- in fundraising numbers? It's very low. Here's the reality. 
Denver's got 15 municipal races for various city council positions at large, for city auditor, for mayor of Denver. And guess what? There are historic 78 active candidates right now for 15 positions. Nearly 60 are participating in the Fair Elections Fund. Let's be real, folks. You would not have nearly this many candidates and nearly this much money sloshing around if not for the delusions, in my view, of the Fair Elections Fund. They think, the average Joes think they can raise all this money to run for mayor. But it was never really true. They can't compete with the giants in the race who are well-connected, like Democrat State Representative Leslie Harrod, Councilwoman Debbie Ortega, Kelly Bro, who was the CEO of the Denver Metro Chamber of Commerce and was chief of staff to then-Mayor John Hickenlooper. They're well-connected. They are the top donor, the, the top recipients of contributions Minus Andy Rouleau, who is running for mayor, mostly self-financed, and he's not participating in this program, Fair Elections Fund. But these three well-connected candidates are participating in the Fair Elections Fund, and they're getting a lot of money from taxpayers. Novice candidates aren't able to compete. Are taxpayers being fleeced here, do you think? Because that's what they have to do. They have to put up the money... For these matches. You talk about equity on the left, and yet the left puts forward this proposal to help the little guy, and it gets passed. They put forward this proposal to get money out of politics, and it gets approved, and what ends up happening, the beneficiaries are the well-connected professional politicians and well-connected business leaders. And then what the hell are they doing with the money? I talked last weekend about how Leslie Herod hired for $13,000, hired an attorney, Mario Nicholas, former Republican operative, former Republican attorney. He's the lead counsel nowadays for the Lincoln Project. And she hired him for $13,000, at least in part, to go after this small citizens group called Citizens for a Safe and Clean Denver. Started by political neophytes, they advocate for cleaning up Denver's urban squalor. And they criticize. They had the audacity to criticize Herod online. And she went after them with this lawyer. Well, guess what? The $13,000 she paid Mario Nicholas with came from the Fair Elections Fund. So not only are they fleecing taxpayers with the money that they're able to raise under this guise of, well, we're getting money out of politics and the professional politicians are advantaged. They're then using that money, or at least in the instance of Leslie Herod, using that money to go after a small citizens group. Using funds that were supposed to empower the little guy. So here's a question I raised in my column yesterday for the Denver Gazette. Denver's fair election fund gives false hope. If Herod, if Leslie Herod has used taxpayer dollars to target small-time political enemies. What else are municipal candidates doing with these funds? Whom are they paying for what purposes? And they're nearing. They will. It's a lot of talk that they're going to hit this cap of $8 million that they can give out from the Fair Elections Fund to candidate. If they reach that level, 
Will council members vote as they are able to do to give their own campaigns and those of their friends more taxpayer dollars by upping the limit? Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they give themselves more money, basically? Is this a, a corrupt boondoggle under the guise of helping the little guy and getting money out of politics? Or is this viable? Shoot me a text, shoot me an email, reach out. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. Lots of ways to connect in. Tweet at me, at Sang Center, saying with an E, not an A, Center on Twitter. And the texting app opportunity at the 710K and US app is there as well. I just, this is another instance. Good intentions? Okay, sure, maybe. Consequences that are ruinous. That's what it seems to me anyway. What are your thoughts? We're going to take a quick break. If you have any text comments, call in what you want to chime in on. But we will also have a little bit of a crossover with Peter Boyles. Find out what he's got coming up on the show and maybe a quick thought on how the money is being tossed about from taxpayers. We'll see where the conversation goes in the next segment. You are listening to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show right here on News Talk 710 KNUS. From his very first album, it's Kenny Wayne Shepard doing his tune, Everybody Gets the Blues, as we wrap up and wind down this edition of the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, News Talk 710 KNUS. couple things before we bring on Peter Boyles, who's warming up in a bullpen, ready for the next three hours from 9 to noon. Number one, I will be filling in for all three daytime hosts coming up this week, Monday, Deborah Flora, I'll be sitting in for her at 3 p.m. Then on Tuesday from 6 to 10, I'm in for George Brockler. And on Wednesday, that's of course in the morning, and on Wednesday from 4 to 7 p.m., I will be filling in for Stefan Tubbs. Be sure to tune in then and a couple little fun family notes. First of all, I don't know if he's listening. But happy 60th birthday to my dad, Jim Sangenberger Sr. Love you, Dad. And that's a big one. Looking forward to celebrating today and especially celebrating because, God willing, everything's going well. I will be an uncle, Uncle Jimmy, for the first time as my uh, brother Justin, his wife, Rebecca, about to have a baby today on my dad's birthday. Very exciting. Uh, definitely be praying for them and looking forward to what's to come for our family. Big news for the Sangenberger family and happy to share that on the Jimmy Sangenberger show. News Talk 710 KNUS, the home every Saturday morning from 9 to noon of the man, the myth, the legend, the guy. He's here, Peter My Boyce. boy. Good morning, man. Good show. So I appreciate it. You Hi. know, I think you're, you're telling me you're going to be talking about radio. Well. Uh, it's kind of came together for us. Uh, Mark Thompson, for folks who know radio, there used to be a syndicated show called The Mark and Brian Show, and these guys were legends out of Southern Cal, and they were they were everything. And so Mark Thompson's written a book entitled Don't Bump the Record, Kid. And I, uh, I heard him once on radio, and I don't think he got fair justice in the interview, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to do it twice because I don't have his book. And you don't want to read everybody's book, but he's going to come on the radio show at 11, and then we'll redo it again on the YouTube show when I get a copy of the book. And then, as you know, uh, the Minnows, the, the the bird show, the Wild Birds Unlimited, um, are no more. Mm-hmm. And um, those guys 
the best radio show in the city. Believe me when I tell you that. So the minnows are coming in the studio at 10 o'clock to say goodbye. Okay. And then I thought, mm. well, keeping with radio themes, we could do almost anything we wanted, but I would talk about front-range radio. We'll talk about what's going on right now, the future radio. What do you think of radio, growing up on radio, as mm-hmm. I did and I think you did. Yes, absolutely. And, but I grew up in a different era than yes. you did, a top 40 era. And I grew up in the era where Peter Boyles was on every day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, Pete, I want to ask you this sure. question, since you're going to be spending time mm-hmm. on radio mm-hmm. and you've been in the business mm-hmm. a long time. What is radio? Like, wh- what does it mean? Well, we, we used to... Uh, the late Alan Berg and I used to talk about it. it was an electric bar room that it was a uh, an electric backyard. It was if you read the history of New England, where they would have town hall meetings when when people would gather and they and the newspapers were called broadsides. They would put them up on the wall and those kinds of things. And at one time, I think in the in in a better time, uh, radio was precisely that. And what I think now it's become weaponized. And having become weaponized, I think it's it carries with it its own demise. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what happens. Uh, things are never as they appear. But um, people's radio habits, and as you may or may not know, automobiles are being made in Detroit without AM radios. Wow. And so somebody's telling somebody something. And, of course, then, the like with Chuck and Julie and so many other people, they simply have gone to podcasting, and that's been enormous in streaming. And Sheriff Reams and I talked it's about streaming. It's just so saturated. Oh. It's I amazing. mean, the, the yeah. number of programs, because it is so easy, and that's one of the, it's yeah. a neat thing about the yeah. internet. Everybody can get a show sure. started, they yeah. can do their thing, and and that's interesting, especially given the impact that it has had yeah. on radio. Well, and it's also been a very, uh, a place where, you know, where, where things can just run away from themselves, and the creation of, of mythologies and, and flat-out lies, and that's never good. It's never good, but it'll... Somehow you get the sense what's going to work itself out. But for right now, what do you do in the morning? Who do you listen to? I don't mind other call letters being mentioned. I don't, you know, it's not, this is a Saturday morning show. It's like, and it's what it should be anyhow. So, yeah, but, so we'll take a look at that. So the, but the, the minnows are going to be here and mm. I just think they're the they're best. They're great guys. Oh, oh, they are absolutely yeah, And they're, 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 they're gone and mm. without much fanfare. Mm-hmm. You're giving them a little we'll bit of fanfare, to, so that's right, great. I really like those guys. And then I've listened to Mark Thompson speak. And uh, but Mark and Brian were one. That was a whale of a syndicated radio yeah. show. And it was back when there were teams, and you know, and then the whole yeah. concept of working I, I teams. I wonder what their take is just on how the well, industry's changed. I'm going to ask. That. Yeah, I'm going to plan on asking them. But teams are tough. So I don't know where you are on time here. I'm not looking. You've at got about thirty seconds. All right. So go. Congrats Pete. on being an uncle too. Yeah, oh, I appreciate. Good show. It. Very exciting. Right, Thanks, my All friend. Right, All right, Peter Boyles. He'll be up in just a few minutes. So be sure to stick around here on News Talk 710 KNUS. That is it for me today. Again, I'm in for Deborah on Monday, George on Tuesday, Stefan on Wednesday. Lots coming up. We'll cooking up some great shows. Tune in then. Have a great weekend. Stay warm and safe out there. And as always, may God bless America. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.